Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and Twitch, and sometimes I even upload the good bits. This is Previously Live. Hello, can you guys hear me? Howdy. Oh. Wonderful. One second, I got one thing. I got to make the output come to... Okay, can you say something now? Howdy, howdy. Hello. Wonderful. Now it's coming into my headphones. It's a, it's a new setup, new location, totally different country. Still trying to work out all the bugs. Welcome, everybody, to the Hippie Dippy Roundtable, which is a very special edition of the Hippie Dippy Roundtable for two reasons. The first reason is we have the return of the now second-time band, former Hippie Dippy champion, Vosh. Second? Even if you his championship in extremely humiliating circumstances by not being able to defend the belt anymore uh, because um, he is a corrupt and evil and disgusting Bosch bad, but um, he is back nonetheless because of my good graces. Uh, uh, welcome back, Bosch. Second time for now. Uh, we'll get it up there, don't worry, and uh, thank you. Happy to have you back. And the second reason this is interesting is because this is the first time the Hippie Dippy Roundtable has been hosted outside of the United States, particularly in Poland. Uh, I am near the Polish-Ukrainian border in Lublin. Guys, and, uh, you have to remind uh, me to not use. Possibly uh, can't get into much detail. Possibly there might language. be one in Ukraine in the future. Who knows? Um, Going to be very interesting a couple of weeks. Uh, happy to have you all here today for this very special edition of the Hippie Dippy Roundtable. And I know you all know the rules, so this should be smooth sailing all around. So I'm just going to start this by throwing it over to my lovely Warhammer 40k loving friend, Counterpoints. Uh, damn, you're going to start with me? Um, so, my name is Connor. Like, uh... I run an excellent YouTube channel named Counterpoints. So I identify as centrist and center-right. Based off of today's Twitter, right. I feel really fucking right-wing right about now. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's nobody else's problem. So, yeah, if you want to check that shit out, then type in counterpoints, common spelling. And as Dylan mentioned, I do love Warhammer 40,000. And I have breakdowns of the new uh, TV series that have come out on Warhammer Plus. And we've gotten, like, half a million views in the past two weeks off of that shit and, like, 4,000 subs. So, pretty fucking awesome. Come check it out. Can't wait for him to be a Warhammer uh, 40k streamer full-time. And now we're going to throw it over to IRI, my C-SPAN loving friend. Their audio is bouncing yours. You're real quiet. Uh, okay. Muted. I'll turn them okay. down yep, a little yep. bit. Thank I'm you, talking Dylan. quiet because uh, of my I allergies. I want to say first, welcome back to Vosh. I think we're all thrilled to have you. Uh, I think we're all ready to forgive you for your <laughs> egregious act that was committed. Uh, everybody's talking about Destiny's four-man hate raids, but I think what you did was way worse, Bosh, and, and uh, you know it. I can't imagine how many people were harmed by your rhetoric, especially using the hard ER like that. Really, really sad. And with Will Smith being banned for 10 years, I, I, I'm amazed that Twitch let you get away with this, Bosh, but uh, I'm a forgiving person. I'm ready to give you a second chance, so... Uh, happy to see you back. And I go by, I'm really important. I talk electoral politics here on Twitch. If you couldn't tell by all the crazy posters behind me, we would love to have you coming out with us. So come by. I'm really important. All one word. I just want to say to all the people who are uh, normal and outside of the space that have been watching my coverage and are not used to Twitch politics, uh, my friend Vaj, uh, that was not a racist comment towards um, uh, a certain group of people. It was towards white people. So it was okay. 
uh, that Vosh did it. Okay, I just want to make everybody make sure everybody knows that. And now I'm going to throw it over to my uh, seems time. to be uh, amazing picture taking friend. We posted an amazing picture of Lecture Fan in the mountains uh, for the promotional material for this video. Uh, he loves hiking. Um, uh, probably one of my favorite facts about Lecture Fan is that he loves hiking, takes great pictures out there. Throwing over Lecture Fan. Thank you, Dylan. Glad to be here. Uh, lecture fan, LCTRFN. I'm a conservative. Um, stream on Twitch every night. Uh, host a radio show here in Montana and uh, practice law by day, commercial litigation attorney. Um, and looking forward to it. Thanks for having Terrifying. me. Terrifying. Happy to have you on. I'm now I'm going to throw it to my disco loving friend, uh, James from the internet. Uh, mellow greetings, everybody. My name is James. I am from the internet. I talk about news politics, news politics and economics from a left perspective, and I also produce a YouTube video series called Left of Left for Act.TV, and as always, super excited to be in the land of fun. Wonderful. Quick deviation. This is money. Now, this... You see this tiny thing? I hate to do this to everybody, but I'm just still... I'm bedazzled that this is a real country. This is money. Look how unbelievably small this is. How is anyone supposed to keep track of this? How much money is that? Is that like a penny? It, what is it? It's, it's, it's like a Polish penny. <clears throat> so it's worth about, like, I think, almost one-fourth of, of an American penny. How do you uh, so buy I, Freedom Burgers with that? Doesn't make uh, you can't buy There's anything. There's a lot of them. The, to make, it costs more to make this than it actually, like, it's probably four times the price to make this than it actually is worth. And it is unbelievable small. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it, this, this whole country's economic system when it comes to money is, is monopoly. Um, I love this country. It's, it's beautiful monopoly system. Sorry. Just wanted to throw that out to anybody else who's considering visiting this monopoly country. And I'm going to throw it now over to Sansol. Hi, uh, I'm Sansol. I like to very, very badly play video games on stream, um, and, uh, argue with people on the internet. Happy to have you here. And people make amazing fan art of you. I saw that that banner someone made of, of your thing on Twitter, Sansol. It was it was. Oh, it was so beautiful! It was so good, man. The guy really put a lot of effort into it. You can tell. He unironically, I commented. I was in the car going some. I, I think it was like going to talk to some local Polish person, and I looked at it, showed it to Geek. It was like this person spent a lot of time doing this. Like this is very well done. Okay, we're gonna yeah, throw it over to. Yeah, only talk to me. But oh well. Okay, no, if no one, if you don't have context for that, don't worry, chat. Yeah. You don't need the context. We're gonna throw it over to Taft. Got it. Um, I'm Taft Hajj. You can call me April if that's easier. I post sexy pictures online and also talk politics from a moderate right, far right, maybe secretly just a liberal perspective. Um, usually pushing back against the sort of lefty narrative that's often on Twitch. Looking forward to the discussion. I think it'll be fun. These panels are great for clearing Excited up my emails. Oh my god! Now we're gonna throw it over to Sprouticus. Then I have time for more Elden Ring. Later. I am the Sprouticus. Uh, you can find me at Twitch.tv/slash/theSprouticus, Twitter.com/slash/theSprouticus. Um, my YouTube is a mouthful. Um, it's the so intro. I'm waiting to figure that out. Uh, but uh, anyways, besides that, I'm a constitutionalist conservative and excited for the discussion tonight. Happy to have you. And finally, my good friend Irish Laddie. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back on this fine platform, uh, if it can be called that. Uh, I am a 
uh, anarcho-natoist, uh, a staunch defender for the abolition of all hierarchies, except for military alliances between members of the Western hegemon. Uh, you know, very consistent ideology. Anyway, very happy to be here. Happy to have you here. And speaking of NATO and the Western hegemony, let's start with uh, the first topic, which is going to be, should we send more weapons to Ukraine? We've already sent a lot of javelins. We've sent some Soviet reserves. We've sent a good, decent amount of goodies to, to Ukrainians. The question is, should we send more? Are we doing enough? Uh, but before we do that, I just want to go over the rules quick. I don't, I'm just going to go through it quick because most of you know the rules. Hey, everybody, don't break Twitch TOS. Don't drop any slurs here. Do that on your own time. Don't do it here, please. Besides that, don't go after people's immutable characteristics. I don't want anybody going after somebody else for immutable characteristics. I would really appreciate that, unless they're Italian. Next rule. The next rule is uh, when I'm talking, you're not talking. So if I'm talking, I'm just trying to moderate. I don't, I'm not going to come in here randomly and just start dropping elbows and start making points. I'm here to be the, 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 the guide to the conversation. This isn't a fanatic panel. This is a Dylan Burns panel. Uh, I think that's everything. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's everything. Oh, also the notepad system is going to be kind of difficult tonight because I only have this laptop. So I will try to do the notepad system, but if it's a little scuffed, it's a little scuffed. If you don't know what that is, if you can't get into the conversation, raise your hand. I'll try to write your name down and I'll bring it over to you eventually. Use it as a last resort, not a first resort. And if I've, if I've written your name down, it's going to take a while to get around to you. Don't expect oh, it God. to be snappy. It could take <laughs> upwards of 20 minutes. So, okay. I is that the everything? Oh, counter, you got a question? Oh, nope. Counter's just bullying me and making my job difficult, as he always does. I appreciate that, Counter. Okay, now let's go into the first question. Should we be sending more weapons to Ukraine? I'm going to start with James from the internet. Yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, surprising left position of, sure, why the fuck not? In for a penny, in for a pound. I mean, like, we can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. We're already you know, churning and burning the military industrial complex, just pumping out fucking missiles as fast as we can 24 seven, packing them into fucking FedEx box because, you know, shipping them halfway across the planet. I mean, we're already in on this course of action. If we just stopped sending them weapons now, it doesn't make us any, you know, less culpable or depending on who you are, you know, oh, less, uh, less vigorous <gasps> in the application of more freedom across the planet. But uh, it makes it makes no difference if we Still stop warm. now. So fuck it, let's keep going. Wonderful. Now I'm going to throw it over to Lecture Fan. Well, the problem with these types of questions always is there's this, this isolated question of should we send more? Well, you can't really analyze a foreign policy question like this without really looking at the big picture and the entire thing. So the real question is, like, should we t completely scrap the Biden foreign policy and Democrat foreign policy, longstanding foreign policy oh that got us into this situation in the first place? Yes, we should. Uh, we would never be here if Trump was president. We would never be here if we had a Ronald Reagan style peace through strength foreign policy. So this whole like trick that leftists do, it's like Democrats come into office, get us into this horrible spot with the this LCTR leftist foreign zone. policy. And then they're like, oh, well, what should we do now? Should we do this? Should we do that? It's like, well, we would never be here if we didn't have all of your garbage foreign policy to begin with. So, yeah, we should. And Biden is ridiculous for not uh, supporting uh, sending the MiGs to, to Ukraine. 
Ukraine and not doing more to help Ukraine. But the reality is, is that there's problems with the Biden foreign policy, left down, upright, center, you name it. And that's what got us here is, is Biden's weakness and his pathetic uh, obsession with global warming. That's a huge part of this. Um, and, you know, yeah, we need to totally revamp the foreign policy. We, ne we should never be here in the first place. Okay. Now I'm going to throw it over to Vaj. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm fully in favor of having more weapons sent over. Um, you know, a as far as I'm concerned, this really is arsenal of democracy stuff. Um, uh, Russia is an authoritarian fascist government. Ukraine, while far from a perfect government, is not. Uh, I think it is, it, it, it is defensible in every respect to contribute. I do not think that it meaningfully increases the likelihood of Russian aggression outside of Ukraine. In fact, I think it decreases it. The more problems Russia faces in Ukraine, the less likely they are to pursue military aggression as a future strategy. Um, and I think it's the morally right thing to do. Uh, I think the Ukrainian people are the victims of this conflict and that arming them against Russian aggression is the best way to, in the long term, prevent great violence against them. Okay, now I'm going to throw it over to Sansol. Uh, yeah, I think that sending more weapons to Ukraine is probably a good thing. They're mounting their counteroffensives in the places that they can as Russia retreats to build up their arsenal. It would be a good thing for us to send them more weapons in case Russia is going to do something else crazy because they seem pretty unpredictable lately. Um, in the east of their country, they're still going to be fighting this war. So um, any assistance that we give them is good and it helps the U.S. on the on the international stage. Um, so, yeah, I fully support it. Wonderful. Oh, one more disclaimer I forgot to mention. Nobody on this show is an expert on anything we're going to be talking about unless they say otherwise. And you'll have to go check your their credentials yourself. I'll Do say your otherwise. own research. Don't get all of your political prescriptions from people on Twitch. That is a terrible idea. Please go use other sources. Now we're going to throw it over to Sprouticus. Uh, yes, I think we should be sending more weapons to Ukraine. I think we should be more involved in what's going on over there, uh, especially considering the 1994 uh, Budapest Memorandum when the United States, Great Britain, and Russia uh, took away Ukraine's nuclear weapons um, and they were destroyed by Russia. And in trade, uh, Ukraine were supposed to have the uh, the boundary or the borders of Ukraine respected by all three countries that were in the memorandum, um, and that they wouldn't use uh, they wouldn't use force to take over Ukraine. Russia has gone against everything they said in that memorandum, and so yes, I think the United States should be more involved in this, considering that we have a memorandum with Ukraine and Russia is breaking every part of that agreement. Okay, now I'm going to throw it over to Taft. Coffee is so fucking good. Yeah, I mean. It sounds like there's not a ton of disagreement so far. I, I also think that it's a reasonable decision to send more weapons to Ukraine. Um, you know, as I'm long as your goal is, is like the outcome. advancement and continuation of American soft power on a global mm -hmm. stage, you've already sent Ukraine weapons and sending them more continues to discourage Russian invasion and aggression if it's proven that there is going to be an international response and it's going to be I thorough. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just echo a lot of the sentiments here. I'm afraid they won't be super unique, but um, we've already dedicated weapons so far, and I don't think we're going to push into any catastrophe by donating more as long as they continue to go through the proper channels. Wonderful. Now I'm going to throw it over to IRI. 
Uh, hell there. yeah, we should flood the Ukrainians with as many weapons as we can get into their hands. They've got Russia on their back foot retreating, and they've dealt quite the blow to this formidable adversary that we've had to deal with on the global stage for decades now. And I say knock them while we can. Now, it's funny that Lecture fan says if Trump was president, none of this would have happened. And you know what, Lecture, maybe you're right. Because if Trump had a second term, he'd be trying to withdraw us from NATO and breaking up the strongest defensive alliance the world has ever seen, or as Nick Fuentes called it, an empire. And Joe Biden has done a marvelous job of bringing our allies together, even getting Germany to commit $100 billion to their defense. I think that this is just an opportunity we can't miss. I say flood the Ukrainians, these courageous people with the weapons they need to hit back at Russia. Let's go. Wonderful. So I can write down your position as flood Ukraine. Was that your position, Ira? Well said. Sure. Wonderful. Also, also I'm an expert at this subject. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to throw it over to counterpoints. Yeah, so I don't think Russia is on the back foot. I think that they faced greater resistance than they anticipated, and as a result, they weren't able to take Kiev or Kiev, as you know, we would fight about. I think they're consolidating their eastern holdings, and as a result, you know, yes, we should give the Ukrainians weapons. But this begs the question, uh, is American globalist hegemony, uh, militarist hegemony good? Yes. That, that's been the argument from the nationalists the entire Easily. time, is that this is a provocation from the Western world by trying to tempt the Ukrainians away from their sphere of influence, that we've been trying to tempt them away from Russia, and as a result, this caused the conflict. Now, my stance is, yeah, American hegemony, as fucked up as it is, as fucked up as the global war on terror is, it's better compared to the alternatives, which would be Russian regional hegemony, Chinese global hegemony. I think we're the best in the fucking business, as fucked up as we are. So I'm kind of reframing the, the question a little bit, since we all agree that we should give weapons to Ukraine now. Is this our fault? And if, if, if it's not our fault, then should we just keep doing what we're doing, where we're always the center of economics and military power in the United States and it, or uh, in the world? And if somebody resists us, do we just arm their opponents and try to kill the fuck out of them? Because this is basically the history of the 20th and the 21st century as far as it goes with American empire. So I'm happy, uh, I'll wrap it up, but I'm happy to hear a bunch of leftists saying, yeah, human freedom is good and democracy is good and all this kind of stuff. And I'm so happy that these people are willing to fight for their freedom. Uh, but at the same time, this comes from Western imperial militarist hegemony and to have you squir squared that in your own framework. And I'll leave it there. I just texted a cutie pie. How matter all Okay, and that is the end I of opening statements. It seems that everybody agrees right on the specific question, but there's more disagreements about the surrounding questions around the conflict. So I think there's still some value in continuing this topic. So I'm going to. Is there anybody that wants to open this up? Yeah. Yeah. Well, counter yeah. counter nailed it. All the all these leftists that are all raw raw send weapons. It's like. You guys have no principles. You guys are supporting this because there's a Democrat president that sent weapons there. It's totally contrary to everything the left has been saying about foreign policy. And, oh, we should just talk and do diplomacy and be nice. And, oh, military this and it's so bad and blah, 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 blah. And now all of a sudden, because we got a Democrat president that is doing it, and the only reason Biden is doing it is because that's what establishment American foreign policy does. Now you guys are all in favor of establishment American foreign policy. I mean, it's it's just hilarious to see the lack of principles you guys are partisan hacks you're supporting it because biden supports it Th that's it that's true well, my number one political principle my number one political principle wait wait stop 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 okay hmm? there's multiple people trying to respond to that who wants to respond to that raise your hand 
Okay, uh, so I'm going to throw it over to Vosh because I'm a, I'm a snake, then Sansol. Sure. So, like most shit that Lecture Fan says, you can just sort of dismiss it out of hand and then, like, address the sort of circumstantial problems that he's not bright enough to get at. So, um, with regards to principle here, there's not really much of an inconsistency. Uh, Russia is a fascist wannabe empire. Uh, assisting countries in the defense against it is actually really in line with... Um, uh, uh, you know, with left-leaning principles. Now, there are a lot of leftists for whom opposing American hegemony is the number one principle and everything else comes second to that. And I disagree with that um, because sometimes you can uphold American hegemony by doing a thing that is on its own morally good. Now, in this case, I would say that we, we find ourselves in that situation. We were also upholding American hegemony with the invasion of Iraq, but I think that would be bad. Um, now, of course, that was a Republican president, so lecture fan can accuse that of partisanship as well. But um, yeah, no, there there are definitely more you know nuanced ways to navigate that particular uh, moral conundrum. Yeah. yeah so, I, I, uh, okay. here here's the thing, lecture fan. If we if we're inconsistent with our values, you could say you could say that. But even outside of ideology, we can look at just the year 2020 when 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 Trump was trying to withhold aid to Ukraine and everybody was upset about that. Even then, people cared about Ukraine and not having Russia have the ability to invade over there. I was born there, caring uh, about Ukraine. By, I'll die caring by way about of Ukraine. them not being able to defend themselves. Ukraine is right? all I care In 2014, about. I wake up thinking people were upset when Crimea got uh, invaded and annexed. Right? These are things that have been in the Ukraine news cycle for a and long Albania. time. And to pretend like people are just now caring about it out, out of nowhere because uh, Biden good, Trump bad is insane. Dude, most of what you just said was totally concocted for partisan reason. Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama <laughs> tried to do the, the the reset. Remember remember the reset when Hillary Clinton came in and got the big button and said, we're going to reset relations with Russia. Like and it was all about being yeah. friendly with Russia. Yeah, exactly. Taft is exactly right. Saying, oh, the 1980s wants his foreign policy back. We want to reset relations with Russia. And we're going to let them have Nord Stream I mean, 2. And by the way, Obama didn't do wait, wait, anything stop, stop, when okay. Ukraine got invaded. Ukraine got invaded under Obama and Obama didn't do anything. You guys, yeah, Obama's a bitch. We started sending weapons. Obama's a bitch boy. Oh, no, hold on. Obama's a bitch boy. Continue. I mean, like, we, we, I think we, you need to understand there's been like a shift in the foreign policy environment, especially with Trump and this like right wing isolationism. And I think left wing people, especially people on like the actual proper leftist people like Vosh. I think that they see that America as this democratic state has moved further left over time. And they compare it to places like Russia, which is comparatively right-wing and authoritarian. Um, and they say that they'd rather have America have influence than Russia. So I think that's their logic. And, uh, you know, even if you disagree with like American hegemony, as I think there are like good criticisms of that, I don't think that the leftists are really being inconsistent here. Um, I think they are. I think they are being slightly inconsistent. Um, when you take a, when you take a look at what happened in Afghanistan, um, we pulled out of we pulled out of Afghanistan. The Taliban took over. The Taliban is now um, go, now uh, going back against the word when they said that uh, that girls would be able to go to school. They've now gone back against their word, and I haven't seen a single person left even discuss the Taliban going back against their word since we left Afghanistan. It is slightly inconsistent. I'm not gonna say it's fully inconsistent, but it is slightly inconsistent with the way that it's normally brought about. Um, well, I think. I think, I, I think these are, the inconsistency. These, yeah, these are not comparable because, right, you're talking about like occupation and like installment of like mm -hmm. a government in order to like run things in ways that like the Taliban are like hugely. Wait, against. the Taliban lied. 
So yeah. you went, so, yeah, exactly. so, so, wait, you went uh, said, but you're you comparing went, that to like sending uh, weapons and these are like totally different actions, like sending weapons versus like, you know, actually trying to like install regime change. And you wouldn't, I, so you wouldn't have said that you, so Taft, you wouldn't have said that the Taliban was occupying Afghanistan when there was, when there was actually an Afghanistan government. Cause we didn't no, just, hand, yeah. we just, we just no, didn't, I would we, say we, we were occupying it. To, Okay, but what I what I'm saying is we didn't just hand it to uh, we didn't just hand the country to the Taliban. We handed the country to the Afghanistan government, which ended up falling. Um, which we didn't support yeah. very much whatsoever. We wanted them to kind of finish. We supported we, them we, for twenty years. Yeah, we, we went their in We listen, taught listen, their military listen, how to fight. Listen, listen, we okay, gave okay, them okay, stuff. We, stop, we, stop, we stop, had stop, military stop, bases. We thought there were for them. Stop, Sansol. Okay, next time it's gonna be a lot quicker. Sunsoul number one, your mic is fucked. Okay, it is. It is. I'm. It's. It's just like it sounds like you're 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 choking on it. Okay, so please address that. Uh, besides that, um, one person talking at a time, please. Okay, so um, Taft and Sprout and Sunsoul were talking. I see James also raises his hands. I, I've written everybody's stuff down. We're gonna have Taft then Sprout in that order since they were already talking. I don't know if. Um, Vosh, this is a ra raised hand or not? I can't tell. Oh, yeah, like yeah. what? Okay, got you. Thank you very much. Do it with confidence, young man. Okay, continue, Ted. I think the thing is, is that leftists are not suggesting that we like go into Ukraine and like occupy territory with American troops. That's not the suggestion, and they're not suggesting we occupy Russian territory. None of that, right? So I think the situation when we're comparing like the Taliban to Ukraine is not really comparable in like the scale of things that are being supported by the left. And again, well, like I think you can criticize American hegemony. I think there are really good criticisms for that. But I wouldn't say that this is necessarily a case of hypocrisy. Okay. Well, I mean, if I was able to finish by state before everyone decided, ever everyone and their sister decided to interrupt me, um, we left the Afghanistan government to defend for themselves. We gave them little to no support after we left. We just left them and said, "Hey, good luck. Uh, we know the Taliban's there, and hey, give it your best try." Um, that is not. That is certainly not what we're doing with Ukraine. Um, we are giving, taking a completely different take with Ukraine. We are backing Ukraine. We're giving them hundreds of hundreds of billions of dollars in uh, weapon systems, um, and we're doing all of this for Ukraine, which is not what we did with Afghanistan. And Afghanistan, the poll, the withdrawal was underneath Biden. So you see two very different outlooks from the left. The left cheered the withdrawal of uh, the cheered the withdrawal of Afghanistan, and then we're completely satisfied with the Taliban taking over the country. Um, I don't know and if the Taliban did do exactly what Russia is doing. They invaded and they uh, took it over. Um, so like, when you're talking about this, that's what that, that is okay, what happened. Wait, hold on. And it was a completely These different are take. obviously incomparable. Uh, Ukraine has an independent, sovereign, democratic government that we are selling weapons to at their behest to help them fight a war. Whereas Which in Afghanistan, Afghanistan we occupied their government. We, uh, we didn't stop providing aid to Afghanistan. We left with our troops, and then immediately there was no longer an Afghanistan government for us to provide Vosh, aid did to. Afghanistan get uh, hundreds of billions of dollars in defensive weapons? Wait, hold on. First of all, well, Ukraine hasn't gotten hundreds of billions of dollars in defensive weapons, and if you want to compare the amount spent on both did. of those countries, Afghanistan, I promise you, received far more money than Ukraine has in weapon sales. Uh, these it's are incomparable. So one dimensional. Uh, yeah, this is this is like you're like right now you're smashing like an apple and like a brick together and trying to compare them. And and by the way, why is it always this like this this limp attempt at like hypocrisy this hypocrisy that? Do you or do you not agree with 
the geopolitical strategy here. It's always this like, well, under if it was under Trump, you would hate it. I don't I don't care what you think I would act like if it was under Trump. We're talking about real people living real lives in Ukraine. I don't know why we have to take their lives and treat them as like a ping pong ball in this partisan game where we assign people's relative like Democrat, Republican. It's just dumb. Like, why? No, but I already said that. I already said that. I already said that the left was making the correct take with the Ukraine war. Well, there um, we unfortunately, go. We're, we're friends, uh, man. Unfortunately, they were incorrect in Afghanistan, and it seems to be a little bit hypocritical because when you talk about the Taliban, when the Taliban did, did horrific things in taking over Afghanistan, um, they killed civilians, they killed journalists, etc., and so on. It was okay when they did it, but all said it's not it's okay not when okay Russia when does it. Do because it. Wait, can I interject for this? It was completely yeah. okay with the Taliban wait, wait, taking over wait, Afghanistan. Wait, 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 okay. So the order of the list is I write counter James Vosh and Sansel, but Vosh just talked, so I'm taking him off the list. Uh, got him. Uh, so I'm going to throw it first to counter since it's counter responded to that. Then we're going to go back to myself. What's up? Yeah. And, and then I would, Washington. and then I would say that I have a mild amount of expertise in this subject as a, as a military veteran we and somebody who's like a history in and history right? nerd. Okay? Like in the rebuilding. So, so like, like a Sprout, lot, the, a lot, the reason a lot, why I'm objecting right? to what you're saying is we did provide billions over. of dollars in training and material and weapons to the Afghan Compared government. We Ukraine. did support them for the better part of 20 years. And what every single, like you could have asked any veteran of the Afghan war back in 2011, what we were effectively doing. And basically what we were doing is we were pouring water into a bucket with a hole in the bottom. I am perfectly fine with us cutting our losses because the truth is there wasn't much of an Afghan national government that was willing to fight for the country. The one thing that I have insane applause for for the ukrainian people is they i i thought they were going to fold in a week i thought they were going to fold in a couple of days i thought they were going to say fuck it it's not worth it i'm not dying for this fucking government i'm not dying for this country and instead they said fuck that we're going to fight for it and so as long as you actually have a force on the ground who's willing to fight aid, for not these espoused ideals democracy investment. liberalism women's rights education all that kind of shit then i'm perfectly fine supporting those people whereas in afghanistan the amount of people who were willing to actually fight was very minimal and on top of that we we saw long histories of basically uh taliban shadow governments stepping in the second the afghan central government went to sleep so so for me it's a it's a question of corruption where the i think it was fair to cut our losses after 20 years regardless of the objectionable shit that's happening in afghanistan now which by the way i'm sure is super fucked up i'm pretty sure they're going through a famine i'm pretty sure the taliban central government is not supporting their people i'm pretty sure they pre they're preventing girls from going to work but you didn't want to fucking fight for it whereas we have hundreds of thousands of ukrainians who are fucking putting their lives on the line right right now in order to fight for it you know fucking god bless these people and i will support them and uh the only objection that i have just to try to twist the conversation just a little bit is like i'm asking the question is this our doing okay is mixed economy capitalist hegemony attracting governments to our orbit and then as a result of that we're coming into conflict with national governments and then we are using these people as pawns. I think Vosh was saying was, uh, um, you know, basically, why is it this bipartisan thing? Is the bipartisan battle between Western hegemony and nationalist governments worth the bloodshed and treasure it's going to cost? So before we switch, before we switch, um, the, the, there is something I'm going to kind of push back against you, uh, Counterpoint, Have is that the Taliban the did all these horrific me, things after, they, after they've taken control of Afghanistan, even while they were taking control of Afghanistan, they did all these horrific things, and yet we're still talking about going to the Iran, uh, sorry, we're still talking about okay. like, um, we're still talking about like nuclear deals, uh, we're still talking about stuff like that, and trying to bring at Taliban 
Taliban up as a legitimate leader of Afghanistan. And I don't think I, I think that in any other circumstance that we would be like, no, that's completely incorrect to be go around killing civilians to not let girls go to school, et cetera, and so on. But now we're trying to, like, assist Afghanistan or the Taliban in Afghanistan in becoming its legitimate government. Well, uh, my counter argument to that would be that it didn't seem like there was a lot of groundswell for counter Taliban support on the ground. And it seemed like the few counter activities were snuffed out almost immediately. So it's either let these people starve or help them out and deal with the politics that are on the ground or deal with the idealized politics. And I don't think we have room for idealism in Afghanistan. We learned an anti-idealist lesson in Afghanistan for 20 fucking years. I love that Sproudicus yeah, is so true. wrong that he's getting pounded on by his fellow righties. Absolutely nope. hilarious. <laughs> the difference no, I, is in Afghanistan. I'm coming for you next, IRI, just because you said that. <laughs> Look, it's 300,000 strong army folded in the face of 60,000, 70,000 Taliban. It was embarrassing, and we were counting on them to try to back them up. Their president mm -hmm. left the country, unlike President Zelensky, who said, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. So I don't even see how you compare these two. Biden was just playing out the final quarter of Trump's plan that he had enacted. And um, uh, it's funny that these guys say, if we were only in charge, if only President Trump was in there, this would never happen. That's all these guys ever got. They don't have any solutions. They're like the what if comic book series over here on when the right. Boy, I just, I just want to point out also, you know, even after 20 years in Afghanistan and hundreds of billions invested, if we had removed our occupation and then the ANA had engaged in a protracted battle with the Taliban, I'm pretty sure we would have sold the ANA weapons still, right? Like, I'm pretty sure if it was like three months yeah. after our withdrawal and they're like fighting over territory and we're getting news updates on the red lines, like we'd be like, yeah, we didn't even get time to sell the weapons. Like by the time the first shipment of javelins would have made it over, <laughs> the Taliban had already won. So I, I think we, I, I think yep. we would have, um, you know, it's Which just is our fault. It's our, it's our fault though. It's it, that, that is 100% our fault in the way we, in the way we left Afghanistan. How long do you want to stay It's the way there, we buddy? entered no, Afghanistan. I mean, okay, so wait, 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 like wait, 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 stop. Okay. Uh, James, <laughs> I got, I know you're on the list. Okay. I told, I said, of God. James, I told you it would be 20 to 20 plus minutes. It's been 13. I already gave you the warning in advance. Okay. Wonderful. Oh, Anarchists in order. I know it's a difficult thing, huh? Anyway, um, I'm going to throw it back over to um, uh, um, uh, Sprout to finish the point he was saying. People can respond to it. Then we're going to James afterwards so we can go back down the list. Sansol, you're still on the list. Don't worry. Okay, and like I said, we we left Afghanistan. Yeah, we left Afghanistan in a terrible way. Um, how how we how we actually left Afghanistan or brought our troops out of Afghanistan was an absolutely awful um way to do so, and it led to the Afghan it left to the Afghan government losing. Um, and I think that we could have done a lot more to prevent that. I think we could have done a lot more to to help the Afghan government and to not just kind of pick up our shit and say good luck. Um, and I think that, that I think that it should have been done that way. And I think that we did Afghan Afghanistan wrong just by picking up our shit and saying, well, peace. Hope you have fun. Yeah, totally. We demoralized them and that's what led to it. Oh, come on. We would have had to pump 20,000 troops what? in there to try to no, maintain dude, things. No, you're, all right, so you're advocating had, for boots on the ground. We, we had 20, we had 2,500 troops in Afghanistan with no deaths for 18 months under Trump. And it was stable. And Biden comes in and just totally f's it up. That's the facts. Because they were all the Trumpers in favor of pulling out. Yes, of the Taliban was was committed like, to us leaving, and they knew that we were out of there. So why fight with us? Why extend it any further? If they shot an American, that would be an excuse for us to stay. They wanted us to and, leave. 
But all yep. the Republicans were pro getting out of Afghanistan, like the whole time he was in office. And now, like, it, it's just funny you would talk about partisanship lecture fan, okay? Did the withdrawal from Afghanistan go perfectly? No. Is this the topic of today's uh, panel subject? No. Uh, shut up? Yes. Um, I do want to return, though, to what CounterPoints was talking about, because the whole is it our fault here thing, you know, I, I think that's more pointed, right? Because that's how people, you know, they tend to circle this around, like, well, maybe Ukraine should be defended, but well, we did this. And I don't think we did. I know that's like a big lefty point or whatever, but um, I feel like it's possible to assign agency outside the U.S. hegemon. And Russia has pretty clearly demonstrated an independent interest in traditional imperialism alongside its borders. Um, so I, I don't like to assign everything, you know, when, when you blame everything on America, you take agency away from other powers, sometimes bad powers. I think the other thing on that right. point, after Taft, though, we got to go to James. Okay. Just to like counterpoints is like, in theory, there's a world where America could have acted differently and discouraged the Russian invasion. But I think it would require America to basically not threaten Russia in any way, including like economically, right? So it would require America to like not grow economically, not push for the soft power or hard power overseas, right? Because it's all of those things that make Russia feel threatened. The solution, like the only way America could have like stopped Russian aggression totally is to just like lie over and allow Russia to do whatever um, and, you know, continue to grow or that sort of thing. So I think it's a sort of absurd assertion um, because the ways in which we're responsible are not really like things you can really morally require a country to do, which is lie over. It's maintaining my hose, which existed. James, I want to be respectful I, to James. I'm sorry. I'm being I, I merely just wanted to make going. two small points of fact, like, I don't know, back in the day. <laughs> uh, uh, number one, I don't know why we're still talking about Afghanistan, but uh, Trump was the one who signed the orders to pull out of Afghanistan. And if you had gone with the original Trump date, uh, the original pullout date of Afghanistan would have been sometime back in January. Biden actually moved it like three months out to uh, deal with the logistics, which Trump can't even spell logistics. And number two, uh, I take offense with lecture fan referring to everybody to the left of Ronald Reagan's corpse as a leftist. Um, it really pisses me off. Everybody, y'all can go back to discussing Fifty Shades of Libness now. I just needed to throw those two things out. So, I mean, I, I, I honestly don't, you're trying to point out hypocrisy and I don't, I don't but think I've shown any hypocrisy I, here. I, I, um, is, I, I was still, I'm still pro getting out of Afghanistan. I just think it should have been done in a much different fashion. I think the way Biden did it was an absolute failure. And I think that if Trump was still in office when he, uh, when, okay, when uh, it was the original pullout date, that Trump would have pushed it out just like Biden did. Um, and so, yeah, I'm still, I'm, I'm still pro getting out of Afghanistan. I just think the way we did it was an absolute disaster. I mean, I think the thing, Sporadicus, is that in order to fundamentally change our pullout from Afghanistan, we would have had to change our occupation strategy as well, right? So, like, it's not enough to just, like, change the exit <laughs> because the Taliban so. had continually been able to propagandize and work with people gathering support elsewhere in the country before they actually came in and, you know, retook the government. And... <laughs> In order to stop that, we would have had to have like massive crack crackdowns, martial law, etc., um, which is something that I don't think the American government was prepared to do. And so, either way, it was going to be you know a complete shit show. However, we got out unless we and unless we like reevaluated our occupation strategy beforehand. So, I, I think that like saying that like Biden just like 
plainly poured the plainly poorly planned the exit is a little bit simplistic because there's not really like a good way you can exit from this that is situation. how you know Biden's a gecko chad nobody there's can a better keep way his goddamn and name the better way was taken so yeah so actually backing sprout up a little bit i i do think the extraction was oh my God. dog shit We're actually but i also about applaud biden now. for eating a shit sandwich because it was his turn to eat it so the you know we were there for 20 years we spent billions of dollars we lost a few thousand troops hundreds of thousands of afghans have been killed there wasn't a groundswell of support for the national government the national government was deemed to be uh pretty fucking corrupt and didn't have a lot of popular support so it was just a question of who gets to eat the shit sandwich the truth is that biden said okay i'm almost dead anyways i'll eat this shit sandwich and then he decided to eat it now the problem with it is that uh, basically there is a way to withdraw, meaning that we left a bunch of interpreters on the ground. We left a bunch of our friends on the ground. We left a bunch of people who we knew were going to be executed on the ground. So that is the fuck up in my estimation is there were people who tried to execute our failed project and they were going to be liable to be betrayed the second that we withdrew. So not thinking about that and then also just crunching it down to a 30 to 90 day period and just saying, ah, fuck it. If you can make it to an airport and uh, a couple of Marines get suicide bombed, fuck it. Who gives a shit? That's like in the grand scheme of things, you know, fuck it. Like that is the attitude that I actually was disgusted with at the time. But the broad swaths of pulling the plug on that is I'm, I'm perfectly fine with. And then the reason why I keep beating the American hegemony drum or whatever is because I'm an apologist for American hegemony. I do think that like on the global Same. scale compared to national right, rival powers compared to international or uh, rival powers with global aspirations like China, I do think that we have a moral, not a moral right, but you can compare the levels of violence and manipulation in economic warfare and sociopolitical warfare oh, and compare it to that of our rivals the and then make a moral case for our intervention and Jackson. also mixed economy capitalism and democracy and republicanism. I think you can make those arguments, but it seems like a lot she got of leftists cool. uh, don't like that. And I'm kind of sad that they're not here today. Instead of getting a nuanced take, I would love it if Hinkle or fucking Hassan was shitting blood right now and just screaming America bad, America bad. Uh, so uh, you guys are a disappointment. <laughs> well, we're the rash. We're the real ones. Those guys are just frauds <laughs> saying nonsense. So what do you expect? <laughs> I want to throw it over to Sansol, who's been waiting patiently. Uh, I was just going to say to the point that Spraticus keeps on trying to make. I don't think that any left person, left leaning person on this panel was super enthused with the pull out of Afghanistan. Like pulling out of Afghanistan was something that all of us wanted to do, but oh, the way that it happened probably wasn't um, the the best outcome. And I think that everybody here has spoken out against that. Oh, look at that. Spraticus isn't here. I just noticed. But um, in response to counterpoints saying, is this our fault? I don't think so. I don't think that uh, if a country wants to ally themselves with us or with our allies and by proxy be allies with us, um, I don't think that any other country has the right to say that they can't. Um, I, so I don't think that we can say that that's our fault, even if you want to say that functionally it's going to provoke them to do that. At the end of the day, if they also have that opportunity to pull them over to their side uh, through non-aggressive means, through non-military you know, military means. So I don't think that it, we can say that it's our fault that Ukraine got invaded.
Yeah, so one of the one of the strongest arguments that I've heard from the the other side, so to speak, the the kind of pro-Russian or at least pro-isolation side is uh, the the idea of like real politics. I, I think I think it's kind of bullshit. But at the same time, what they it's would bullshit. argue is that like the Russian perspective, they feel like they're in a corner, they feel disrespected, they don't feel like they have uh, control over their sphere of influence, and as a result, you know, they they do view themselves as a military power and as a historical power that was comparable to Europe and comparable to the United States. So while we can kind of laugh and say, who the fuck needs a blue water Navy, just, you know, be better at economics, dumbass. Um, from, the, from their perspective, us basically uh, pulling Ukraine into our sphere or pulling them into our orbit and then potentially losing Crimea and that deep water access is an affront to their like national hegemony. So this is this is kind of what I'm really poking at because I want people to consider it. There are principles that I believe in. They're liberal, universal, humanist principles. The right to freedom of speech, the right to, free, uh, to freedom of conscience, and the right to self-defense and limited government. I believe in these things, and I think they're universal human goods. But when you get into the real politics side of things, this means that if you're trying to spread that to a country that is bordering another power that doesn't like that shit, you're going to get people killed. So all I'm really looking for is just an acknowledgement that these principles are important and we're willing to spread them through socioeconomics. But when it comes down to battle, these things are worth fighting and dying for, because I don't think I've seen that kind of spine in Western liberalism in three decades. But you're I mean, presupposing I think you're... that we're going to that there's not going to be death anyway. You're presupposing that mm -hmm. by us not helping Ukraine in any way, that Russia isn't going to bulldoze over them anyway. I'm so poor. Uh, they got invaded. In Russia <laughs> would, but there would be less death. I mean, I think the thing is that, like, that we could right? not involve that. at all in Ukraine, not open up diplomatic channels with them, and just like leave them to Russia, right? And that's like the totally non-aggressive, like zero aggression, totally passive route, right? Um, and I think you're right about Russia's perspective on this, but I think the reality is that if it weren't Ukraine, it would be another neighbor, right? And so the expectation then is just that the United States never makes friends with anyone near Russia. And if Russia takes over a country, then it doesn't make friends with like other neighbors to the country that it was taken over. And that sort of like line of thinking is how you get like total passivity. So I think that like, Yes, it's possible that like America could do things that were like no not inflammatory at all, but I think the expectation doesn't or I think that like that acknowledgement doesn't justify Russia's actions. I, I well, like Vosh, are you down there like I'm sorry, you had your hands are you casting I'm so, a spell or are you raising your hand? I can't tell. I'm raising my hand and I was just I was okay. so polite, you know, I'm really trying to not get banned again. Um I just want to say <laughs> one of the big issues that I have with um the realist political model like geopolitics is that there's no such thing as a regional hegemony anymore for a superpower. It feels like that political model was built in the days, or at least it's meant for the days when people like fought wars with spears and, and shields, you know, but we now live in a global nuclear armed world. Um, we have obviously regional interests, you know, but it's not limited to that. After all, like America has spent trillions fighting wars for political interests in the Middle East, which is damn near on the other side of the planet, you know. So the issue is like, if we lived in a world where countries can only really wage war with their neighbors, you know, before all this modern technology, then I would agree with the realist perspective because one superpower 
conducting an invasion to conquer a less progressive superpower to spread those liberal values of democracy and freedom could end up turning into a multi-centuries long intractable conflict that leads to an unimaginable amount of death and brings about like no positive outcomes. But we don't live in that world anymore. Every country on earth is now interested in every country on earth. The Cold War proved that. And with that in mind, ceding regional hegemony to Russia, it doesn't stop with Ukraine, it's the world. Russia no more wants us in Ukraine than it wants us in the Middle East or in Latin America. China no more wants us right next to them than they do want us in Africa. Everyone wants everything and we can all get it now too. So this model doesn't really work. The closest thing we can do now, I think, is to encourage all superpowers to adopt political worldviews where they're more likely to cooperate with each other than compete. And in that respect, conflicts which break the back of countries like Russia, which don't get along, which aren't willing to use, let's say, traditional trade relations to moderate its engagements with the West, those countries need to be brought into line, not as allies, but as countries that use economic power as a way of competing rather than military power, because that is far less destructive than whatever it is they've been on about. I think this is an effective way of pursuing that goal. The, well, okay, so, a, a, sorry, go ahead. In buddy. all fairness, didn't we try that with pipeline diplomacy, like with Germany, and it didn't seem to work out with Russia? I think it is a difficult, I, I don't think that's like a, a sure shot or anything. I just think it's like the desirable way of moving forward. It should be noted, though, that Russia and all their <laughs> subsidiaries is one of the primary antagonists to green energy development for obvious reasons, oil, natural gas they control. So the less we play into, uh, you know, our need for their resources, I think, the less of a relative pull they'll have in our governments and the more they're going to have to find other um, say more egalitarian ways of engaging in trade relations. So this is this is the question, though. So we're, or at least I'm talking about individual human rights, uh, freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, right to self-defense, up to including your own government. I know that's an American thing, not a European thing, but that's still a Western thing, I guess. And then uh, basically limited government, meaning uh, it follows rules. These are Western conceptions. These, these are European conceptions that we're kind of putting onto other places that don't agree with that thing. Now, we can promote it and say that it's universal and that a lot of people want it. And we can promote it through, like you said, economics, culture, uh, war, trade, all that kind of stuff. My question is, so this um, economic integration that you're talking about, does it come as a package deal with the morality of the Western world. And when somebody bucks the trend, where, so for instance, like Russia is like, fuck you, we're nationalist, we're Christian, we don't like gays, and we're gonna uh, influence our neighbors as we fucking feel like it. And if you wanna stop us, then you need to come over here and actually say that to my fucking face. That's pretty much the Russian attitude right now. Is that worth blood? The my goal, answer is yes, the but goal, I'm just kind of, I'm poking that because I want people to say yes or no. If it ends in nuclear war, then no, just because the end of the world is basically the final stopping point for any ethical quandary. But the goal would be to make all countries that have nukes, or ideally all countries in general, so economically codependent that any country breaking rank to fight a war would have its economy crippled. Like England right now, if they were to declare war on France, I know, but you know, whatever. Like, leave Right, I know. But leaving aside that and the nukes and everything else, like the resulting 
economic devastation England would face just from its allies no longer trading with it immediately, like their their country would basically just collapse and burn, like instantly. Um, that would be the goal everywhere, and countries are still going to break rank from that. But, you know, broadly, I think these values are worth fighting for. I don't think they're Western values necessarily. Maybe in the modern incarnation, we associate them with the West. But, you know, if you go back to the Islamic enlightenment or the golden age of Islam or like... Um, you know, even back to like the, the, the beginning of the civic state back in China, like I think some of these conceptions go back way farther. But I think it's these are things worth taking great strides towards building in the most effective ways possible. Okay, based. Okay. Um, I'm seeing this conversation seems to be coming to a close. Um, is uh, everybody fine with going into closing statements? So we well. can move on to the next topic. Sure. Yes. Wonderful. We're going to start with counterpoints, then IRI, James, Lecture Fan. You guys get the order at that point. Okay, going left or right. So counterpoints, you start. Yeah, so I've been, one of the things that I've identified as making me centrist or right-wing is apologism for American hegemony. Despite the global war on terror and the invasion of Iraq being uh, mistakes, uh, mistakes that we've made as a global hegemon, I still think that the promotion of democracy, mixed economy, capitalism, and uh, whatever values you want to call these, technocracy, anti-corruption, limited government, uh, respect for republicanism, rule of law, that kind of stuff, these are values that I think should be universal and should be promoted culturally, economically, and, and uh, militarily, if necessary, as a last resort. So I like that. And I promote that. So what I'm seeing is a lot of people who were critical of the global war on terror, rightfully so, uh, are a little bit more gung-ho about the war in Ukraine because it's more morally clear. That excites me. That makes me think that some of the moral arguments that I've been making for the past decade um, can appeal to a broader audience. The only thing that I'm asking for is if you disagree with this project, if you're more nationalist, isolationist, is you want most uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, American feel free to come and fucking argue with me because terror, yeah. I got more agreement than I was expecting tonight. Fighting so appreciate Russian it and yield. Terrorism. Let's go. Um, okay, I'm going to go back to the original mm -hmm. question, which was, should we fl uh, send Ukraine weapons? And I say yes, because um, they have really given Russia a bloody nose. Remember, Russia's goal was to come in and denazify the country, take over, put a puppet government in place. And they seem to have failed miserably in that regard. All they can do is indiscriminately attack the civilian population and try to just flatten cities. And they are achieving that to some degree. But uh, there is a scenario where Ukraine actually ends up winning this in some way. So I, I say flood these people with the weapons. Again, they have the courage and the resolve to fight. And that's the difference between them and Afghanistan. Um, and uh, I, I think that they've also shown how Russia is a paper tiger. And for years, we lived with this adversary. And we all treated Russia with kid gloves because we're so scared of them. I think this is the beginning of the end of the Putin regime, as Navalny, the leader of the opposition, has said in Russia. So... Um, in the end, I, I think that um, this, in the long run, may turn out for the best for the Ukrainian people so they can finally live their lives the way they want to. All right, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in on the end here then. Um, I, I, again, I, I, said it, I said it when I started, and I'm going to say it because apparently some people didn't hear it. Like, it was... It was horrible that we got dragged into this in the first place it's horrible that fucking people are dying all of it is a horror the question was should we continue sending weapons to ukraine which pretty much 
kills the conversation of should we have been involved in the first place and yet for some reason there seems to be some desire from some people on the panel for us to i don't know somehow couch it or put you know six six equivocations in front of saying but yes we should continue to send them weapons now because we're already there i just think it's a really weird petty distinction just I don't know, uh, cause ideological confrontation on a panel when everybody's pretty much agreed that it sucks when you're getting militarily pounded by a superior force and literally hundreds of thousands of people who don't want to be involved in war are getting fucking killed. And we're going to blank it over the fucking, you know, linear distinction of whose political ideology is right in saying, yes, we should. Um, it's incredibly ghoulish and I'm fucking boggled and I yield. Okay, next we're going to throw it to lecture friend. Well, it's 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 glad to hear that I'm glad to hear that everybody here basically disagrees with the Biden foreign policy, because by claiming that we should be sending more weapons to Ukraine, you're basically saying we're not sending enough right now. That's what you when you say we should send more, you're saying we're not sending enough. And of course, the Biden hasn't said uh, Biden hasn't sent stuff that's been needed and stuff like that. So I I think that's great. And, you know, I love to hear everybody uh, disagreeing with Biden foreign policy. What's funny, though is that people actually think that they're agreeing with Biden when they're saying this, uh, which is quite ironic, of course, you know, and I think it's important to call out hypocrisies and inconsistencies on these types of things, because when you talk about foreign policy, like I said at the beginning, you can't just talk about like an isolated incident. Foreign policy is something that you have to talk about broadly and and it's and it's complicated and, and you have to think about how these things affect other things and stuff like that. And so when when I when I hear Democrats, uh, you know, suddenly all of a sudden it's OK to give weapons after for you know for decades and decades they say oh we should never give weapons those weapons will just be used against us whenever america gives weapons they always end up being used against us and oh my gosh america's an imperial power and we don't we shouldn't be pushing our ideas on everybody else and blah blah but then when there's a democrat in office they're all of a sudden in favor of it i think it's important to call that out because we need consistency in our foreign policy and frankly i think it's great that everybody wants to support ukraine i fully support ukraine i hope they win the war and um, that's all fantastic. By the way, uh, I love to see how intimidated and scared of me Vosh is because all he can do is act like a third grader. You're dumb. Shut up. You're dumb. Shut up. Uh, love to see the intimidation. It's so obvious. Have a little self-respect and dignity, dude. Come on, Vosh. Turn over to Sansol. Uh, I don't get to go next. Uh, that's a great point, Sansol. Oh my God. I'm being blown I mean, away right now. Yeah, okay. I don't think that there's any contradiction between any of the positions any of the left-leaning individuals hold here. I think that's really stupid. I think it's really good to send more weapons to Ukraine. Ukraine should be the most armed state in Eastern Uh, Europe. Uh, It should be like a porcupine for every single time Russia wants to go into Europe. They should have to go through Ukraine and Ukraine should fuck them up every single time. Um, So that's my stance. Okay, gonna throw it now over to Taft. Yeah, so one of the reasons why I think it's legitimate to send weapons to Ukraine is because we're not dealing with the same situation uh, in Afghanistan. We're not, like, arming the brave Mujahideen fighters. We're not arming a rebel group. Um, Ukraine is like a state with official communication channels, and we're not trying to occupy Ukraine either. So the risk of the weapons being used against us is not the same in Ukraine as it has been elsewhere. So again, I think that like the comparison is just a little bit one-dimensional over and over. Insofar as America wants to push back against foreign rivals and, you know, enhance and defend its soft power, sending weapons to Ukraine is probably a good idea. And just 
to Counterpoint's point, um, the sort of realist nationalist perspective of why this might be a good idea is America's concerned about its position and its reputation on the global stage. And by bolstering that, by showing its ability to help allies, it makes sure that it's able to continue to secure alliances in the future and keep the friends that it has. They feel secure knowing that we've got their backs. So that would be like the nationalist, um, very like real grounded reason for helping Ukraine that isn't just, you know, ethics, although there is the ethical argument as well. So that's my perspective. Okay, I'm going to throw it now over to Sprout. Yeah, we owe it to Ukraine. Like I said at the very beginning, we owe this to Ukraine. Uh, the 1994 uh, uh, Bangladesh, or uh, I don't want to say Bangladesh. It's uh, something else. It's uh, but there's a there was a memorandum in 1994. Budapest memorandum. Budapest. Okay, the Budapest night. The Budapest memorandum when uh, Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons, um, which was a major defense against Russia, is the fact that Ukraine was a nuclear power. Um, and they did this because the United States, Britain, and uh, Russia said that they weren't going to uh, attack Ukraine. That they were going to respect its borders. Um, as it was in 1994. Um, these these uh these rules were not followed by Russia. Hell, they weren't even followed by us or Great Britain when Russia decided to go against the memorandum. And so, yes, we owe it to uh, we owe it to Ukraine to back them in this fight because we told them that, yeah, if you give up your nukes, we will protect you. So, yeah, we owe it to protect Ukraine. Okay, Vosh? Yes, I echo the second, uh, the sentiments which have been presented here. Uh, defending Ukraine is all well and good. Um, I think it should be noted, of course, that there are going to be long-term negative consequences associated with us choosing to do so, and that we have to own, accept, and respond to those consequences as well, you know, whether that be um, right-wing militant groups in Ukraine using all the weapons they got to wreak havoc or, uh, you know, violence that spreads across the border into Hungary or Poland or what have you. Um, I feel like, or Romania and Poland, um, these are possible outcomes we have to look out for. Um, I just think that, uh, you know, the outcome of us not having assisted them would have been far worse. You know, I feel we're responsible for the consequences of our inaction as well. Um, and yeah, no, I, I, I do think, however, that concerns to that extent have been overstated. Um, Ukraine is quite a bit more stable than like Afghanistan is. I, and I don't expect things to go the same way, even if they do win and completely beat back Russia. Uh, how do you respond to the uh, accusations of cowardice made by lecture fan? Oh, I That's forgot. Incredible. I forgot to respond to those. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, wait. Calling people dumb and telling them to shut up is an all ages uh, repertoire of uh, insults. Okay, that's not. Listen, it's for third graders. It's for eighth graders. It's for adults. You know, it's for grandpas. It's for everyone. Everyone uses those. Um, it's a timeless it. classic. It's a staple. Uh, it's an American classic. American is apple pie. I make no apologies for my behavior. Wonderful. Now we're going to go into the next topic. Um, one moment. Do do do. I gotta remember what the next topic was. Uh, thank you, Danabo, for organizing this for me while I'm in Poland. <laughs> the next topic is the midterm elections. Oh, is it time to drop electoralism for direct action? Is the sub question. And what do you think will be the deciding issue of the upcoming midterms? So there, you got your two questions there. Uh, I'm going to throw it first to James. Well, surprisingly, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell people to uh, bag electoral politics, 
uh, because electoral politics is just one of the many bags in the weapons, and more often than not, a diversity of tactics will usually get you further than a single straight-lined approach, I believe, and wise old leftists once coined that term. Um, however, anybody who relies solely on electoralism to somehow make meaningful conditions to their material existence are absolute fucking fools and crackpots, and you should be engaged in um, as much direct action and mutual aid as possible at a, at a community level as often as possible, Jesus. because at every twist and turn, the people that you vote for you will completely disregard your needs and wants at any time that it is politically convenient for them. Um, also, I believe there was a, I don't know, something else in there, but I don't know. I'll, I'll let that drop and we'll wait until we get to the meat of this sandwich. Okay. Again, there's two questions. Number one, what do you think the deciding, uh, uh, what do you think is going to be the deciding issue for the midterms? And two, dropping electoralism for direct action. Don't know if well, the lecture number... fan. Oh, well, sorry. Okay. You can finish. You it's can okay. Finish. No, I was gonna. I was just gonna bump in just real quick. So, so number two is it's going to be inflation because people vote with their wallets. Uh, the right wing has the added bonus of using the culture war, like they did in the special election in Virginia, to sweep five seats, even though they were outspent four to one. Uh, but at the end of the day, the majority of people are going to come out and vote with their wallets, and um, the Republicans are going to keep beating the drum on inflation. So there's your second answer. Okay. Lecture fan? Well, first of all, direct action is some, like, progressive buzzword that only leftists use. So uh, not sure, you know, if that, if that question is directed to uh, people on <laughs> the right, too, if it's true. just towards progressives. But uh, the, the midterm elections are going to be decided on the, the radical social issues. Uh, that the left is trying to shove down the throats of the American people and, and how the left in this country are trying to force their religion on everybody. It, it's really horrible the way the left is trying to force their religion on, on America. And inflation's a big deal. The economy's a big deal. Uh, Biden, the fact that Biden can't even talk, he can't walk, he can't, he, he can't even be president, that's a big deal. And the fact that the Democrats continue to um, support Biden, although we are starting to see, I think, a lot of Democrats uh, move to try to— get, uh, get Biden out of there. You start to see that with the media and the Democrats even confirming that Joe Biden is in fact corrupt. Yeah, Hunter Biden was doing international business deals with our foreign adversaries. Joe Biden did know about it. Joe Biden's been lying about it. Joe Biden took Hunter Biden on a trip to China in 2013. And two days later, Hunter Biden got millions and millions of dollars from communist Chinese. Uh, that's all been confirmed by the Washington Post, New York Times, those types of out outlets time. recently. The only reason you start Every to see time, that happening man. is because the Democrats, I think, are realizing that Biden is a massive liability and they've got to get him out of there before 2024 and ideally maybe even before uh, 2022. But the, the Democrats have destroyed the economy. Inflation is rampant. Deficits and debt are out of control. Um, and so the Democrats are going to get absolutely wiped out in the midterms and I can't wait. Okay. I'm going to throw it now over to Sansol. Uh so I'm glad to hear that James has come around to electoralism since the last time we talked, he was very, very against electoralism. I'm glad that you, yeah. I was able to convince you, buddy. Um, <laughs> I, I, I agree that inflation and culture war bullshit is probably going to be the deciding uh, issues of our, uh, of the midterms. When we look at the kind of, extreme homophobia extreme transphobia the allegations of grooming for anybody that's part of the lgbt and is also a teacher um all of these things are are the prelude to what we're going to see as we get even closer and closer to the elections um i i think that when we 
when we look at whether we should go towards electoralism or direct action, um, electoralism is probably the best course of action since direct action nobody wants to number one do it or number two build up any kind of uh systems to make sure that they are uh consistent and um you know productive and efficient with the resources the resources that they're given um also just to what lecture fan said who cares if hunter biden had business dealings in china and in russia because trump also had business dealings in china and in russia and i don't think that he gave those up after he was elected to the presidency so it seems like a really weird thing to harp on if you're wow upset about that wow okay wow i'm gonna throw it over well, okay guys remember intro statements wow let's follow the rules let's throw it over to taft great um i mean i think that the republicans the republican party is a complete disaster of a party and electoralism has historically proven to be not an effective strategy for the right wing when it's not paired with a understanding of direct action. And so the left wing has been extremely effective with direct action. And direct action is a pretty broad term. I think it includes things like um, the entrance into longstanding institutions, into civil servant positions, into positions in education, and working to grow and create intellectual movements and to prove that policies work in one way or another. I think these are all things the Republicans and people of the right wing can really take note of and follow through with. Because, you know, I think it was 2015 to 2017, Republicans controlled so much, right? They controlled like the Senate. Um, they were controlled the presidency. They would later control the Supreme Court. And, you know, by the fifth grade, like civics understanding of checks and balances, they should have been able to radically change, you know, the way things operated. But they didn't, of course. And it's because that fifth grade civil servant under or fifth grade civics understanding of government is woefully, you know, willfully inadequate for modern politics. And I think it begins with direct action and right-wing people, if they want to have cultural staying power and strength, they need to focus a lot more on actual direct action, actually winning, you know, hearts and minds of American people and not so much um, winning the White House for four years and doing nothing with it. Okay, I'm gonna throw it over to Sprout. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to follow a lot of the sentiment that Taft has. Uh, Republicans have a bad habit of taking the I White House and so doing nothing. Um, and I think a lot of that is uh, we have rhinos in office. We have people who are uh, Republican in name only that are sitting in uh, Senate, sitting in the Congress. And um, they're just going to keep sitting there because they're incumbents. And that's that that's a huge issue. Um, they need to be primaried out and they need to be uh, they need to be replaced with someone who's actually going to be able to do something. Um, and now with that being said, I think moving towards the midterms, I think Democrats are going to lose terribly. Um, you're not going to have all those hate votes you got against Donald Trump. Um, those are going to go away. Those people aren't going to show up back to the show up back to the uh, uh, back to the booth. Um, and I think that the biggest things are going to be the economy and the culture war. Um, and that's majorly why I think Democrats are going to lose the midterm. I think the House and the Senate will both turn red um, come 2023 and uh, look forward to the discussion. Happy to have you. Uh, throw it over to Vosh. Yeah, so the issue is, like, 
direct action happens on both sides. The problem is that direct action for the right is indistinguishable from electoral action because all of the insane freaks on the Republican Party uh, support all of the insane freaks who are trying to do like non-electoral political engagement. Whether you're talking about Nick Fuentes' Nazi rallies or the QAnon types, like Republican Congress people will show up to these events. Like they are, mm -hmm. the, the, the ties there are very, very strong. Whereas like Democrats, for the most part, don't, like I, there's, there's a much harder separation, I think. The Republicans willing to incorporate a more um, idiosyncratic range of political options into their party because they don't fear populism the way the Democrats do. Um, speaking of the Democrats, I think they're boned in the midterms. Um, you know, it, it, like the issues don't really matter. Uh, Republicans are really dumb. People care about what they're told to care about. And Democrat politicians don't take up any space in the media. They don't talk. Biden doesn't talk. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I agree with lecture fan on this. Like if Biden was actually a real advocate for the Democratic Party, he should be out there nonstop screaming at the Republicans, doing everything he can to get his issues in the mind of the voter. But Republicans are constantly the ones who dominate headlines every single time. Like every time some new culture war issue drops, it's them. Every time some new talking point drops, it's them. Every time the Republicans dominate the discourse. Um, the only time that wasn't the case in recent memory was with Bernie, because Bernie was such like a, I don't know, maverick figure that he was able to sway discourse towards him by being very persistently in favor of stuff like Medicare for all or a higher wage. But Biden ain't Bernie. So in the absence of that media coverage, I think a lot of people are going to be sort of indifferent. And that indifference favors Republicans because people tend to vote for them for much more hardline ideological reasons, like fear of trans people grooming their bathroom bills or whatever. I'm sure that's going to come up plenty during the upcoming uh, midterms. Um, obviously, this isn't real. It's fake and it affects nobody. But that's what Republicans are going to vote on. It's going to what, what they're going to talk about. And yeah, I don't know. It's unfortunate. Well, Vosh, I mean, well, you... uh, Taft. Is it not open segments. discussion? Okay. No, no, it isn't. My goodness, Taft. Dated. Sorry. Quick to the trigger, aren't you? To be fair, <laughs> you eager. started in the middle. To be fair, you started in the middle, which kind of throws people off, but it's okay. I like to throw people off. That's why I went to Poland. Throw it over to counterpoints. Uh, fuck electoralism in its stupid fucking ass. Okay. I'm so goddamn sick of spending millions and billions of fucking dollars to elect dickheads who are going to get elected anyways to get a watered-down fucking agenda 30 years after it was fucking relevant. I'm fucking sick of it. And I am so... Like, okay, if that's the system for electoralism, is that if that's a system for federalism, if that's a system for the state, okay, cool. I live in a republic. You have to gain consensus in order to achieve shit. I think the Twitch political community would be so much better fucking off taking 5% of its fucking energy in doing shit within their own communities. Literally volunteering, taking the fucking money that you would have you fucking spent on us. Please still spend money on us. I need money. But take 5% of the fucking money that you would have spent on us and spend it on fucking direct action shit. And when I say direct action shit, I don't mean Molotov cocktailing a fucking business. I mean, go to your fucking community. You think that schools are fucking dog shit in your area? Go fucking mentor kids on the goddamn weekends. I literally just filled out a volunteer fucking application for my local school system uh, This uh, probably about a month ago. If you have problems in your community... Fight instead of doom scrolling on Twitter for eight hours a day, 
doom scroll on Twitter for six hours a day and then spend two hours on productive real shit. I love this space as much as everybody else. I love fighting. I love blood sports. I love drama. I love science fiction. I love entertainment. I love all of this shit. But if we actually give a fuck about what we're talking about, then I think we would be a lot better off instead of getting these dickhead fucking politicians elected to pass a fucking watered down agenda 30 years too late. We'd be a lot better fractioning off a portion of our energy and actually spending it in our communities and spending it on projects. This will be my last point on digital infrastructure projects NFTs. that people have not envisioned before. Discord is a new social media platform that engages people in a way that is unimaginable. We can customize these platforms to serve the dissatisfaction, the disassociation, the alienation, the economic needs of our communities, and the fact that we haven't is a fucking shame. So again, fuck electoralism and its stupid ass. I'm fucking tired of it. We should actually do some real world shit. Okay. I'm going to now send it over to IRI to end opening statements. Yeah. So to the question of Fuck do we drop electoralism, pee. I just say like, what's the alternative? Like violent revolution and millions of marginalized people are killed. And then we lord over the other half of the country with authoritarianism for decades. I mean, it's silly. It's LARPing. You might as well be in the woods hitting somebody with a cardboard sword. You know what I mean? It's pointless. So electoralism is the only way to get anything done. And show me like Bernie Sanders version of the current system. Show me AOC's version. Show me Elizabeth Warren's version of the system. And then if we still have problems, then I'm all game for talking about what else we could do. Maybe we could change systems. But let's get there first, and then we can talk. As far as the main issue in the midterms, I agree. I think it's going to be inflation, but I think there's a sneaker topic in there, and that could be abortion. Because at the end of June, early July, the Supreme Court is going to issue a ruling on Mississippi's 15-week ban and possibly completely toss Roe v. Wade. And if there's anything that gets the pussy hat wearing women's marching people excited and galvanized on the left, it's abortion. So don't be surprised if abortion becomes the number one issue as we get closer to the midterms. And finally, the GOP is just going to keep drumming up their stupid little culture war stuff because they have no policy except to tax the poor, as Rick Scott put forward in his 2022 plan, and to revisit wonderful programs like Social Security and Medicare every five years. Can you imagine? This is horrific. And finally, they want to try to legalize things like child marriage, which my friend Sprouticus called diversity of thought. So that is not what I call the discuss opening statement. How dare you? I'm done. Okay, okay I'll, start off with, I'll start us off. So that is not what I called it. I am 100% against child marriages. I'm just going to come out and say that right now. I've said it plenty I'll of times take. before, and I don't know how many times I need to say it before Brave. people start to understand this. <laughs> I'm 100% against, against child marriages. I don't know why everyone seems to lump in the Republicans 100% behind what Tennessee is doing. Tennessee is actually changing their laws as we speak uh, to, to fix the loopholes that were there. Um, but no, Republicans are majorly not against uh child uh child marriages i'm gonna say majorly because i don't have the exact stats and i don't want to push for them so no when i said republicans <laughs> so when i so when i said republicans have diversity of thought i was saying that can somebody, can somebody clarify, saying, wait, wait 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 okay just, i'm just doing this for the audience's sake can somebody clarify because that wasn't said here what, what this interaction was it was said on twitter so I, what, what exactly did you say on twitter 
I said, has said that there's a diverse well, 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 wait, wait, wait. I think Sproudicus can speak for himself. So I, I, I mean, I can read it off uh, specifically. I said, uh, where is it? Da, 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 da. Um, yeah, I said, I don't know why people inherently think that because Tennessee voted for child marriages, essentially, that the rest of the party is behind 100%. There is diversity of thought. And what I meant by diversity of thought and the common reading of that would be is that not not most or not a lot of Republicans are behind this. And it's centrally located to Tennessee. Um, and I haven't seen any Republican back this up and say, yeah, I'm for Tennessee's law. Um, and so what you're going to see is you're just going to see Tennessee do that. And the idea that all Republicans are behind this is absolutely asinine and then to say that I said that I said child marriages is part of Republican base and it's just a diversity of thought and to get over it is a completely disingenuous way to read that tweet. I would yeah, also like to come out and say that I'm also against child marriage as long as we're all I don't by same. implication want to be roped in with the. Uh... Well, I mean, especially because it's actually the Republicans that are actually protecting kids from sexual content more so than anything. So if you want to talk about kids and sexual things, it's like every state ought to be passing the <laughs> anti grooming bill and the, the parental rights bill that what is, Florida has what is just the passed. Anti, That's the type of stuff. What is the anti grooming bill? That's the type bill? of stuff that. The anti-grooming bill that says uh, teachers can't groom preschoolers. Okay, you realize that's already illegal. What is the actual? Uh, the bill just says you can't it's groom. Saying, no, uh, you obviously don't know. You actually, you obviously. Lecture fam, just ask you know, questions. You obviously don't know what happened in Florida, and that thirteen counties in Florida were actually having teachers. T telling kids to transition their gender and then not telling the parents about that. There That's what was happening that? in Florida. And so it did need to be well, passed. Well, hold, wait, hold on. Wait, 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 hold on. Wait, lecture fan, lecture fan, lecture fan, hold on. So we so, haven't had to pass lecture this bill at all, fan, but the fact of the matter is, lecture is that you lecture left this, and now all of a sudden in this day, pushing that disgusting Lecture fan, why won't you listen to me? Lecture fan. Why, so, Vosh, why do you have to interrupt I'm asking me? You scared you. me? You I'm scared to let me talk? You're I'm asking you, lecture fan. Oh, call me dumb. Why don't you call me? Oh, you're dumb. This might go on for a while. Okay, so... Now, to be out of curiosity, was what happened, the teachers pressured the children to identify as a different gender, or was what actually happened that the children had doubts about their gender identities, and the teachers were supportive of it without disclosing it to their parents? Do you know which of those two? Because those are very different, like actually extremely different things. Um, yes, like, like I I'll do. give you an example. I do, and I've actually... Hmm? Oh, yes, oh. I do. And okay. I've actually I've actually looked into the specific example that led to this. Mm -hmm. And a mother has given multiple speeches about what happened to her daughter. Wait, is there the evidence or is it just pushing? the word of the mom? Yes, there's evidence. And these schools had actual policies. And plus, we've got all these leftists on TikTok wait, with pink hair wait, literally what? bragging about trying to push this radical one, sex content okay, on little one, kids. It's one disgusting. Time, it's grooming. What, so what policy in the school said that their teachers were allowed to tell their kids that they were a different gender. There was so the literally policy... 13 counties that had specific policies about po that. Okay, what did the policy say? The, the policy, policy is like trans that... affirmation, basically. And part That's, of that I, yeah. is that, yeah, and part of that is that you don't share with parents if the child expresses like reservation about it being shared with the parents. Yeah, so, so that's okay, like the disgusting and wrong. We've done and this before. Okay, it should be illegal in every state. We've done I this have, before. I have with, a question. Wait, I just, I just want to finish because I kept because it, it takes forever to get lecture fan to the end point. But we've done this before with uh, sexual identity. So kids who feel like they might be gay, 
uh, historically in America have sometimes confided in teachers uh, because their parents are abusive and homophobic. And it's often the policy of those teachers to like not tell the parents for reasons that I think are pretty obvious. So this is definitionally not grooming. It's actually preventing child abuse. Um, so the issue here is with like the semantic wow. retooling of the term grooming here is people like lecture fan want to abuse children and they don't like systems that prevent parents from doing so unilaterally. Um, so in that respect, I am anti-child abuse and therefore in favor of children having spaces where they can safely express their doubts about their gender identity without being like attacked by their abusive parents. Seems simple. Yeah. Okay, so, so, I, I so mean, with, wow. with all these, with all these being so, Vosh, I want to push back on you a little bit with that. Mm -hmm. So, with all this being a very, very popular discourse, um, I'm sure kids are hearing this at some point in time, and they're and they're starting to hear this, and they're coming up with their own thoughts. Oh, okay, is this me? Is this me? Is this me? Um, so at what age do you think it would be proper for a kid to have enough, uh, enough maturity, enough, um, enough knowledge, um, be developed enough to decide that that, that is what they want, um, without taking drastic action Wait, and not letting the parents know. I don't know. They can just, I'm not sure what action you're referring to. Whatever child, whatever age the kid is, they can just say whatever. And the parent doesn't have to disclose <laughs> I'm, so not, I'm not sure what you mean. Kindergarten, a, a boy can decide. A boy can decide that he's a girl. So if they're like, I, what the policy is though. So, That's also like, not what the bill. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Uh -huh. So wait, I just, no, I don't the understand. The bill doesn't like prevent people from identifying as trans. That's not what the bill says. I don't. It can't be in the instruction. I wait. understand that. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So like, I think the bill. Can we clarify that before we continue talking? Wait. I just. I'd like to respond to that. Everybody. Okay. Everybody, be quiet for a second. Okay. Everybody's talking at the same time, so nobody can hear anything, I, okay? I just... So, Vosh, you can respond to, to Spreader's question, but I just want to make sure everybody... I mean, can I finish please. what I was saying? Well, you, okay, you then, asked me a well, question. Okay, so I, I, think, I think the bill is unconstitutionally vague, but at what age do you think that is? I mean, if a, if a kindergartner, who's, who's like a, 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 a sign male of birth, like a boy or whatever, tells a teacher, like, I think I'm a girl, like, I don't think the teacher should be obliged to like tell the parents that the kids said that like I, I don't know what the negative consequences are like all the teacher has to do is go like all right like double thumbs like yeah okay and like go on with their with their day that's and okay under the bill sprout please god okay, damn go it ahead. we need to fucking clarify the fucking bill okay so as far as far as my understanding of the bill is it bans instruction instruction well, meaning well uh, taft i would love for you to back me up because you seem to have done a little bit of research but basically as far as i know the teachers cannot create uh curricula or courses related to like gender identity i'm sure Toff can uh, basically go over it but th it's k through three so if i if i remember correctly that is when you're like eight or nine which is when you're going to start being getting like sex ed if you're on the early side anyways and then Taftaj, I would love for you to clarify that way we know what the fuck we're talking about. So that's absolutely part of it. But there's the other half of the bill. And the other half of the bill is specifically written to address school policy that requires uh, teachers to not disclose information to parents, right? And the risk is like, schools don't want parents to reveal information that is going to put children in potentially abusive situations. So what the bill says, in addition to the clause about instruction is that uh, teachers must give like medical information if they know it to the parents, as well as information on like instruction and other sort of things like that.
So I, the bill doesn't like really say that you have to like out your child if they're just like, oh, I'm a girl or whatever. But the bill does say, to be fair, that like if the child is like, oh, I'm taking like hormones or something, um, then you would have to like you couldn't withhold that information from the parent. Isn't there I, isn't there an exemption for the potential the for abuse though? I'm only arguing isn't against there... the use of Sorry. the term grooming uh, to refer to mm -hmm. not um, compulsory disclosing any gender related confusion a child expresses in confidence to a parent. Um, yeah. There is there's potential for abuse in any social configuration that deals with the relationship between children and authority, like figures of authority. However, given the fact that we've done this before with gay kids, I think the evidence shows pretty clearly that giving kids who are doubtful about their identity, whether it be gay or trans or whatever, uh, like the knowledge that them telling like a teacher won't automatically lead to their like Bible Belt dad beating the shit out of them. Um, that worked before. It was good before. And I think it's good here. I just, I don't think it's grooming. I wasn't even talking about the Don't Say Gay Bill. I was just talking about the broader idea that I don't think there's anything harmful about a teacher just being able to go like, all right, well, I respect you. And then like continuing with like the school, the schooling, you know? That's not right. what was happening. Well, though. one of my personal frustrations is with the right wing and like the inability to like just describe literally what the bill is and like defend it on those grounds mm -hmm. like i don't know why we have to like jump to these like accusations about grooming necessarily because i think it's a legitimate argument to say that like listen we shouldn't have like sexual instruction from k through three and beyond that we should be careful with the sexual instruction and at the very least we should let parents like if you're a liberal progressive parent and you think it's important for your child to like understand, you know, gay people or trans people or whatever. I think it's your prerogative to like teach your kids and engage with your kids and not expect like the state to come in and do all of those things for you. Right. And to be a little bit conservative with like what you tell the state to do. I think that's the legitimate like right wing position to have here. Um, but I don't know why like right wingers like need to jump to these grooming accusations the when they just that we have is that emotional bill is, is, wait, 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 is okay. left San necessarily. Next. Yeah. The problem with this bill is that it is necessarily incredibly vague as to have a chilling effect on all of the rest of uh, the grade levels, mm -hmm. not just K through uh, K through third, I think it is right. But anything after that, P teachers don't know what they can and what they can't talk about it. Like Oscar Wilde is a gay writer. It's something that is it was something that in influenced his writing and all of his literature. And if a teacher brings that up, they don't know if they're opening up their entire school district to uh, to litigation by some like fucking crazy dumb fuck parent that thinks that the oh the fact that Oscar Wilde is gay and that it was mentioned his class in class is grooming. It's not even true. Also, there was another thing that I wanted to say is that <laughs> when when Mr. Sprouticus was talking, he he said that uh you know like at what age do kids uh have the knowledge or the wherewithal to be able to talk about these things well like if they're not ever taught these things if they're not taught them at home and they're also like never talked about uh, that stuff is never talked about at school then maybe at no age maybe not until they're already like doing like fucking crazy shit when they're in um when they're in high school right okay but, like, they, but if they third grade is fine 
so it's prevalent so i mean it's it's prevalent enough in like news cycles to where it, it's it'd be understandable for a kid to hear about it at some point in time um now what i know what i am going to ask just now what wait 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 i'm literally can i can i literally i'm literally going to define something real quick so the first the first half of the bill and the second half of the bill are two very different issues so the, the first half of the bill and i'm just gonna the, that's the k through three part where the uh no um no instruction right um so who just by raise of hands who disagrees with the first part of that bill the k through three part of that bill I don't even know what it no is. No one disagrees. The Bosch problem disagrees is the enforcement the mechanism. Yes. So I think exactly. the second half. Exactly I think I think the second half is unconstitutionally vague. Um, the first half, the first half, the with K through three, uh, Vosh, you're the one that raised your hand saying that that you disagreed with it. Um, I mean, what exactly did you disagree with about it? I don't have a problem with young children being taught very basics about sex, gender, and health education because the data seems to suggest that it prevents them or decreases the likelihood of them being sexually abused, especially at home. If a kid so, has no idea what is or isn't inappropriate, what language or terminology is used surrounding any of this, they might be abused and not even know it. And that's one of the reasons why there's a pretty strong relationship between these crazy religious fundamentalist cults where there's a fuck ton of child <laughs> sexual abuse and wanting to protect them from the sins of public education a lot of it is just because the nanosecond these kids get the their their you know like very basic early education in which the teacher is if this is even a halfway competent like early sex ed class is saying like if anyone's doing any of this shit to you this is crazy bad like you got to tell somebody you know like if they're being taught that like kablamo reports for sexual abuse go up the roof and as far as i've seen the evidence suggests that is the case so for me, it is about preventing child abuse. And you have the added benefit that people that young, even in kindergarten, can have feelings that they might be gay or trans. Does it happen all the time? No. But this stuff is complicated. And maybe if they get the knowledge early on, they're more comfortable with it later in life. It's just not a secret. And I don't think it hurts them to know. So Vosh, assuming that like someone, assu assuming someone who's trans is teaching like the first grade, right? It's in the K through three area. What what would upset that teacher enough that they can't teach about underneath this law? Like they that they can't provide instruction about. Well, the the don't say gay bill, as I understand it, just um pre prevents all discussion of these topics up until the third grade. Am I mistaken? It pre it prevents what not it discussion instruction. It prevents okay, instruction that, on it. That that it's vagueness is right for 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 you know in in practical purposes that is a meaningless distinction. It's not just up to third grade, by so. the way, because even past it's that it says it has to be. Well, I think that's pretty meaningless, especially for something that doesn't. Can harm I explain anyone. why it's not? Sure. Yeah. So so I the the reason why I don't think it's the meaningless distinction is because uh ba basically like instruction would be course curricula bringing stuff up you know ba basically like here this that the other this is sex this is gender this is genitals all this kind of stuff and by the way I not all this shit is settled okay I, I know that progressives like to say that this shit is settled this is not settled from a conservative standpoint what is not so wait, what just, is not settled. Mm -hmm. The explanations of sex and gender and all that kind of shit from a conservative All you have standpoint. to do is say, hey, listen, there are males yes. and females, and sometimes people born like this choose to be this, and sometimes people born like this choose to be this, and it's complicated. That's I, all. I, you can okay, do that in 15 I, okay, seconds, Kablamo. Easy lunch. That in okay. and of itself is abuse, cool. child abuse. Thank you. Okay, so hold, hold on. We the, appreciate this was not even close to my point. My, the, the distinction between instruction 
and basically talking about it is let's say that Timmy comes to school and he's like, oh, I got two moms or whatever. The teacher can go very cool, Timmy, not I'm going to fucking report you to the fucking conservative gulag for talking about the gays in fucking kindergarten. Like, that's not what's going to happen. I think the casual course... conversation is not what's prohibited. Sorry, to be to be more clear, I think that every early education curriculum in America should include a basic discussion of health, gender and sexuality, uh, because I think it prevents abuse. At what age? Um, oh, I, I don't know. It's just probably first, second, third, sometime <laughs> during that, like early on. There I got rudimentary. Yeah, the, you can you, can, about this. you yeah. can talk about this with kids. Like, you can just say, hey, this is how babies... Are like, you can talk and, about that with, like, a second grade. Like, they, okay. they're not going to die. 50% you know? of the country disagrees with you. I don't Easily. care to be clear, what they disagree with. They disagree with climate change. That's not to this my This is electoralism. No, this is why I No, wait, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Wait, stop. Wait, hold on. Stop, stop, stop. Wait, I got interrupted. Let's let finish this point. Yeah. So you could respond to any empirical point with, well, half the country disagrees. I don't care. I'm advocating for what I think should be the case. And what I think should be the case is an implementation of a curriculum, which no data suggests is harmful and data suggests is actually helpful in regards to reducing child abuse. Um, and we and we know like anecdotally as well, because there's less data on this, but being exposed to the idea that it's OK to be gay, like trans people exist, really helpful to queer people like early on in their life, adds a sense of legitimacy to their identities, reduces rates of suicidality, increases confidence. Um, and, and all, and what's the opposition to this? Like what their, their ears will burn out when they hear the birds and the bees. Like, no, no, no. It's, it, yes. it's very straightforward to me. Um, I just don't see the issue. So people okay, don't so think about this. Game, people don't think of this like this. It's the, in 1948, SCOTUS, uh, banned, uh, religious groups from using the use of public school facilities as a because they were saying they were using it as a venue for religious instruction to students there is um there is already precedent to what we consider instruction and what we don't consider instruction you can find that with religious ideas in schools now that precedent oftentimes comes to the comes to this point where it's where so religious instruction is where your child will learn about a particular religion that is not related to a broader education of religious thought belief and expression I don't understand okay. what this has to do with a very basic to early curriculum. Instruction versus conversation. So no the, one the will be able to provide any evidence that this is harmful to kids because the evidence suggests the exact opposite. This is about okay, protecting the, children. Okay, James, you want to go and I talk a lot, so you go. I, I, I wanted to point out that uh, roughly 40 minutes ago when I was like, yeah, the only two things that are, are going to sink the Democrats in the, in the upcoming midterms, which was what the question was actually about is people either focusing on inflation or right wingers throwing up ludicrous buzzwords about about uh, the culture wars like CRT is when black people or, um, you know, uh, everyone's a groomer and it's all uh, it, it, it's all about uh, Republicans just want to, you know, do things to babies. This is exactly what I was talking about, because it's the easiest way to infect the brain of the people who spend the least amount of time actually reading, learning about or understanding basic politics. OK, and if Most I can back James up, this is yeah, I want to I want to narrativize this for you. We're going to focus in on this subject. Conservatives are going to accuse anybody trying to talk uh, to eight year olds about sex stuff as potential pedophiles, then it's going to cause a furor 
that along with inflation is going to give the GOP enough uh, information or enough uh, fuel to sweep in the midterms. That's exactly what's going to fucking happen. Disagree. So within, well, we'll see. Well, within the electoral framework, fuck all this bullshit. I would hate to fucking spend two, like, like maybe we could have like an interesting conversation about like what's the appropriate age for education, uh, age re- appropriate sex education and this, that, the other. Those are all cool conversations, but I'm telling you the way that it's going to be used electorally. And I think the energy that we could spend calling each other pedos, we could take 10% of that energy and actually channel it into something more productive and alternative to the existing political structures that demand our attention in culture war subjects. You think the Republicans well, they, they, never do that? Are. They call <laughs> Justice Jackson gonna critical race theory. Stuff. Yeah, they'll do it no matter what. They call Justice they'll, they'll Jackson a critical Dude, race the, theorist for no reason. I, they do no, not need... The, the, yeah, so fuck electoralism. Stop, 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 everybody. IRI has yet to speak on this topic, and so I want to give it to the C-SPAN loving teddy bear and uh, to the right of me. All right, well, real quickly, I mean, this is what's going to happen. James nailed it, like... This appeals to the people with the least amount of information, like Lecture Fan and Sporadicus. So, of course, they're going to hyper-focus on this. I wish my teachers would have talked to me about all this sexuality in grade school so that I could be gay or bi, because being straight is boring as hell, man. These guys are having all the fun. So I wish they would. And I wish it would have turned me gay, Lecture Fan. How about them apples? But the point is, people vote with their wallet. It's going to come down to the gas prices. It's going to come down to inflation. And the Federal Reserve has just started to take a shot at that to bring it down that's one of their main functions so if if inflation can come down and people are living pretty good lives i don't think they give a flying shit about some teacher in some random school that doesn't exist teaching sexuality and if it does exist it's a localized case deal with it we don't need to sit here as a nation and grapple with this ridiculous problem that's not affecting anybody it's so dumb didn't Virginia prove wrong exactly what the fuck you just said? Didn't like, uh, isn't this the entire point that culture issue <sighs> bullshit making mountains out of goddamn no. molehills for electoral no. wins? Also, it wasn't that fucking proven. Wait, I just history wait. says we lose Virginia. History says we lose Virginia the next year. It was not some sort of blowout amazing feat. And you know what? We should have lost New Jersey too, but we didn't. But people care about what they're. Out. The okay, wait, I inter- wait, wait, I, wait, I interrupted Vosh to go to IRI, okay. so I think it's right to go to Vosh. I'm going to write your name down. I, I only want to say that people care about the issues they're told to care about. Right now, the issue True. of child grooming, is, like the threat to children, is predominantly being conducted by Republicans in almost every objectable, uh, uh, like objective metric. Whether you're talking about like child brides or conservative Christian culture or like uh, like purity, you know, like dates and all that crap, or like their... Um, the um uh, uh like child beauty pageants or like the like there's so much stuff there you know this is an a preventing child abuse metric i've just pulled up data on this and yeah uh, educating people young about this stuff massively in one study which was done in 1986 um a uh a sexual abuse prevention program uh targeted at young people doubled the percentage of sexual abuse revelations one year later literally doubled the number of times they outed pedos um, in the following year, a ridiculously effective uptick next. Uh, another study um, said that after uh, a study were done on people who had taken sexual abuse prevention courses uh, and 
phoned afterwards uh, a sample of 2,000 boys and girls. 40% of participants said the knowledge and skills they learned had helped them in specific real-life situations. 25% revealed they'd used the info to help uh, from the programs to help a friend. Child sexual abuse is really tragically common, and the best way to prevent it is to make sure that every child in America is armed with the information necessary to identify when they're being abused. Now, none of this has anything to do with electoralism because Republicans will make shit up. The problem with Democrats is they're not loud or aggressive enough to take reign of the culture war discourse and for example like why like why are we not calling republicans pedophiles like every nanosecond like they're doing it to trans people enabling <laughs> what will be a sort of pogrom against a marginalized group meanwhile republicans like trump was like an epstein buddy the epstein buddy but do democrats play naughty with this you know do they get down in the dirt no they don't because they're pussies do you have they're betas do you have, they're bitches wait, they're do you cringe. actually have these Gosh, studies? no stop or are we just I, supposed I, to take your word for it Saratikus. cringe Wait, the study is to address. I need to address what Vosh is saying because, like, Vosh, I don't know what bill you're like talking about at this point. I wasn't talking about the bill. Okay, thank you. We, as long as we acknowledge that, because like the Florida bill doesn't prevent you from talking to a child about sexual abuse, right, or trying to like educate them about what sexual abuse might look like, right? The bill is very specific in that it prevents like sexual orientation it discussions does, or though. gender identity. It opens up no, schools to be doesn't. sued by parents if they feel that the um, schools- I mean, like uh, if you interpret the bill as meaning like more than what's in the text, right? And your it's assumption incredibly is that vague. like- It's been called vague by legal experts. It's not no, like, that's not that my interpretation. No, that part is not vague about like sexual orientation or gender identity. Empo like, empowering t uh, the vague part text, or, uh, parents like, to sue the okay, school wait, 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 okay, is stop, really stop, the enforcement okay. mechanism. One, one oh, at a time, please. I, okay, I mean, I feel like we have to like go back and forth a little bit on this because, like, I think that like what Vosh is getting at is that like some instruction to children about like what is appropriate or inappropriate sexual conduct is good, right? I mean, hopefully, like we can all agree Which that like some baseline. No, it's not. The bill <laughs> like, specifically. The bill. I, I have read, read the you. bill. It specifically okay, bans. Let's read it out loud right now. Instruction okay. or classroom, classroom instruction discussion. by school personnel or third parties on what sexual orientation or gender identity. That's not like so you can still talk to them about what is sexually inappropriate conduct, right? You just can't have sex that is banned until the fifth grade in Florida. Okay. Right. It's about the it's about the second half of it that's like intentionally. Also, I, that want, part's I, really want both. I think that you already agreed with that, Taftaj, right? Well, that, no. Oh. To be specific, the problem that I have with the bill is the enforcement mechanism. So I think that like there's a legitimate argument to say that like the scope of what it bans will be greater, but I don't think it's gonna be so great that like you know, it's the point where, like, you can't say the word gay in a classroom. I think that's also, like, right, an absurd exaggeration. But so I think we have to don't be... know what the what the limits are. And that kind of chilling effect could lead to things being taken out of this the curriculum. This is a massive like, violation the, of our the, First Amendment uh, rights. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, like, imagine problem. at the beginning Come of the year, an English class, an English class, they're getting together and they're like, okay, we can't talk about this, this author, this author, this author, because it's just too much of a liability. It doesn't even apply to high school. This is a bad example. No, no, wait, 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 hold on. Really quick. Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, there are a lot of people. Okay. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Please, everyone's wrong about the bill, okay? Like, this is ridiculous. It bans instruction or discussion about LGBTQ not issues. Or discussion, not from or discussion. Classroom, instruction. Classroom discussion and instruction. The bill is kept deliberately. No, it doesn't say discussion. The bill like, is kept. Wait, okay, point. listen. So, picking this up as you go. I'm not. Wait, hold on. The way chilling effects work 
is that by employing deliberately vague language, instruction is not a legally defined term consistently, and rulings on I discussion in the context of classrooms have varied in a variety of contexts. There's obviously a lot of ambiguity as to what counts as instruction, because it's not so, as though the... Wait, please. I'm it's sure not, it's defined. It's not as it's though... On instruction. It's not... Okay. I want to extend oh. an olive wait, branch. It's not as Everybody though... Count. No, I don't care. Vosh, finish. The curriculum as a concept is not like a divine script that can be judged and checked. The curriculum shifts and oftentimes it comes from what is said in the classroom. What is the difference between curriculum, instruction, and discussion? When you're discussing in the classroom about a topic related to a subject of instruction, is that instruction? Anybody who claims there's a hard line defining what is or is not instruction is simply wrong and you are free to look up the hundreds have, of legal do I have to go opinions get Google right now? the hundreds no, of, i can do it right now wait, i just did it before you're SCOTUS free to wait 19, so scotus in nineteen forty. wait can you hold on wait can you hold on you can wait listen if you want to you can literally just go and look at the hundreds of legal opinions on this where they impugn the law for its vagueness in both its first and second part. It also doesn't just affect through third graders. It also says that instruction on these subjects must be age appropriate for up through high school students. Tell me if there's a legal definition for age appropriate, by the way. And then so the I've second already... part, which empowers uh, okay. uh, uh, parents to sue the school district at the cost of the school district, is so vague that it deliberately creates a chilling effect on all these subjects. It is a bad law. I wasn't even talking about the law earlier. I was just talking about the right and validity of making sure that kids have a basic education on these subjects. But and that was part one of a two-part podcast. If you're interested in finishing it, then uh, you should wait for the next episode.